Hello, folks. Welcome to the On Being Christian Podcast. My name is Nolan Ruby. I am your host, and I am also the pastor of Wasatch Front Baptist Church. The On Being Christian Podcast is a ministry of Wasatch Front Baptist Church, and this is our third podcast, so this is very new. And as we get ready to go into, specifically this week, we're getting ready to go into the Thanksgiving Day celebrations. There's a couple things I'd like to share with you, some verses and some definitions considering Thanksgiving, and then there's some thoughts from a couple guys that I think you might enjoy um, that had some um, some specific words concerning Thanksgiving, what it meant, where it comes from, and the purpose behind it. Um, but anyway, like I said, this is the On Being Christian podcast. My name is Nolan Ruby. The website that hosts this podcast is the Wasatch Front Baptist Church website. I've also got some information on there where you can contact me if you would so desire. Otherwise, we'll get right into it. The word contentment comes to mind. Now, we're going to be talking about Thanksgiving, and I know it's like, wow, we're just really jumping right into this. Yeah, we are. Um, the word contentment comes to mind. Thanksgiving is one is by far one of my just absolute most favorite holidays. There's a lot of good memories that circulate around Thanksgiving. A lot of those memories circulate around people and places, family specifically, and I do enjoy all of them. But there is a thought about especially the society in which we live today and it's kind of war with contentment. And that's the word that comes to mind when I think of Thanksgiving is the idea of contentment and being content. And I don't know that there's much in our society anymore that promotes or even less than that or more than that praises the idea of being contentment or, or, or being content, excuse me. With that said, I'd like to share with you just a definition here. The word contentment is a word that means a resting or satisfaction of mind without disquiet, without disquiet. It means a gratification of purpose. And so the idea of contentment is something in which the Bible says we should be thankful for, that quietness of the mind, that gratification of purpose is not so common that it should be taken advantage of, or it's not so common that it should be forgotten. It's something that is a gift from the Lord, and we do have a certain duty to be thankful for that. There's a couple Bible verses that come to mind considering this. Uh, the first few are in Philippians chapter 4, 11 through 12. The Bible says, Now that I, or excuse me, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I both know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And so there's a, a clear reference here from Philippians, the author of Philippians, a guy named Paul, talking very specifically about being content in whatever situation the Lord has placed him. So often we like to be the ones that can, that define what situations we would be content in. And that's not exactly how the Bible tells us to think about it. Considering the fact that we're talking about what it takes to be a Christian or on being a Christian, one of those things 
the Bible says, is obedience to the Word of God or the doctrine of God. And the doctrine of God, the Word of God, very clearly says contentment is not a result of what you have, but a result of where you are mentally, spiritually, in your own self and with the Lord. And to be content with the Lord, says the Bible says, is, is best evidenced by being uh, very happy and very satisfied with what you have not in the pursuit of what you don't have. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Now if you pause just for a second and understand what you're being told, it says, Without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. And as a Christian, what is it that you have that produces the most fulfilling form of contentment? Well, according to this verse, it's the fact that our Lord Jesus Christ will never leave you and will never forsake you. And so no matter what he asks you to do in this life, you won't do it alone. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, then there's nothing that you'll be asked to do where the Lord will say, hey, I'll see you on the other side of this one. No, he's going to go walk through it with you. He's going to do that with you. And that's what contentment is all about. That's what this season is all about. Taking a pause from the constant, near-continuous pursuit of something and instead be very purposeful about being thankful in exactly what the Lord's allowed you to have. I know that's hard. We live in a very commercialized society. We live in a very marketed society. Um, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day. I am not into fashion. I don't understand fashion. I'm into things that last for a long time. But somebody once told me, somebody that understands fashion, they said, you know, it used to be where you had seasons. There was four fashion seasons in the year, and you marketed towards people who uh, who who shopped or wanted to be in fashion four different times a year. In other words, you could dig into people's pocketbooks four different times a year by changing the requirement of fashion. They told me, that's that day is gone. That day is gone. I said, really? What is it now? He said, well, how many weeks are there in the year? Well, there's 52 weeks. He said, well, there's 52 fashion statements a year. In other words, it's it's near continuous. As soon as you are in fashion, take a breath because you're out of fashion. And that's one of the ways to do that is just constantly making people pursue the next thing. If you think about it, our entire society has gone this way. As soon as something is produced, it's consumed, and we move on. As soon as something, whether it's entertainment, whether it's art, whether it's relationship, we've, cons- we've become a very consumer-based society. We consume, we move on. And whatever was at one point valuable to us doesn't have much value as we push on. It's just constantly in search of the new, the shiny, the, the relevant. And by constantly changing what is relevant, we've made a great deal in our life, which actually has value, not very relevant to us. And that's sad. And what my goal would be, for this week specifically, 
is to implore you from the doctrine of the Word of God to take a moment to realize what you have. Realize the health that you have. Realize the family that you have. Realize the career, the choices, the friends, the connections. These are all things that get dismissed for the new and the shiny way too often. Way too often. And I think we're going to pay the price for that. In fact, I know we are on a long enough timeline. There's a verse in 1 Timothy chapter 6. In fact, it's two verses. 1 Timothy chapter 6, 6 through 8. The Bible says, uh, three verses, excuse me, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. Food and raiment, let us therewith be content. Most of the time, we like to try to define, well, if I had this, and I had this, and I had this, and everything was exactly the way I would like it, then I would be content. And if if your idea of contentment is dependent upon the things that you don't have, I hate to break it to you, but there's a world full of things that you're never going to get. And if the world is full of things you're never going to get, and your definition of contentment is based on getting things that you don't have, thus, or by extension, you're setting yourself up to never be content. And folks, that's a horrible life. That's an absolutely horrible life. And so contentment, it's, it's godliness is the gain that matters. Godliness is the gain that matters. That's very humbling. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So often we seek first the things that we would like to have added unto us, and then as an afterthought, sometimes we kind of pursue the things of the Lord. Folks, that's not Christian. Remember, the purpose of this, con- this per- the, excuse me, the purpose of the podcast is to draw our attention to the action of being a Christian not just the spoken words of what we claim to be, but rather the actions that people who observe our lives can dictate that we are, can come to the understanding that we are, to include ourselves. If I look at my life and it doesn't pursue anything that the Bible says it should pursue, if I look at my mind and it's full of things that the Bible says it shouldn't be full of, then those are both relatively solid indicators that Regardless of what I claim to be, my actions are saying something very, very different. In Philippians chapter 4, we already read that, I believe. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, not that I speak in respect of want. It says, For I have learned to be, I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. That means no matter where you are, the Bible says, with the heavenly Father above, I can be content. Maybe it's not natural because it does say I have learned to be content. By the way, I would I would caution you, and this is just a bit of a, a point of humor, be careful when you pray for patience, because the Lord might answer your prayer. And one of the things that he answered me when I prayed for patience was not anything that I would have asked for if I knew what I was asking for. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10 says, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. 
interesting verse talking about understanding that it's only in the the uh, the weakness or the acknowledgement of the weakness itself that the strength of the Lord can be revealed, and why that's why it's so important to understand that being content is not about having exactly what you have defined you need. Being content is about being exactly where the Lord would like you to be and taking pleasure in that place, which can only be done by the author of Christianity. These are just some verses. The Bible's full of ideas concerning contentment, what it is, how it changes your life. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 says, But God, excuse me, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Jesus Christ. In other words, there's no point in my life where I will have or I will go without something I need uh, if I'm content with the things that the Lord gives me. The, the Christian life is about pursuing contentment, about pursuing that quiet purpose, that, uh, that stillness of mind, that place of rest for your soul, that's only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other place, there's no other, there's no other entity that can produce that. It's all about being content. So these are just a few of the Bible verses that came directly to my mind considering contentment. And it's interesting, um, like I said before, we live in a country that we, we like to think we're content. We like to practice or, or you know, have a holiday dedicated to contentment. But that holiday is followed directly by Black Friday, in which we're so filled, full of all the contentment that we can take in a 24-hour period that the very first thing that we do is go out and express how uncontent we are in the pursuit of goods and services and all the other things. And um, it, that's, folks, if you could at all dedicate one day this week to staying at home, make it the day when the entire rest of the world is not at home. It's just, it's just not worth it. So contentment. As we go into holiday, there's a couple guys that come to mind concerning what contentment is. Now, uh, on a political level, and I don't get, I don't have any desire to get political on this podcast, but I do have a, a president comes to mind who made a comment that we are no longer a Christian nation. And he, he said that on a public forum. He said, America is not a Christian nation. And it angered me at first. But once I got to thinking about it, I thought, you know what? I probably agree with him. Because for whatever reason, whatever we once were, a nation focused on being thankful to our Heavenly Father... Homes that were content with such things as they had, uh, a commercialization that hadn't taken root yet, whatever we once were, we're no longer that. And that breaks my heart. That's not exactly what we were supposed to be. That's not how this nation was founded. This nation was founded by men who understood the value of contentment. This, this nation was founded by men who understood the value of a quiet and peaceable mind. I want to read you, there's two men that I highly look up to, never met them, and I hope one day to see them on the streets of glory. They both had prof professions of salvation. One's man, one man's name is George Washington, and the other man's name is Abraham Lincoln. And they both had some thoughts concerning, excuse me, they both had some thoughts concerning Thanksgiving, that I'd like to share with you. 
The first one is, uh, they're both proclamations, presidential proclamations. The first one starts off by simply saying, by the President of the United States of America. This is a transcript from President George Washington's Thanksgiving Day proclamation made on October 3rd, 1789. It simply says, a proclamation, whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of of Almighty God, and to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly to implore His protection and favor. And whereas both houses of Congress have by joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many single favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. By the way, that's a direct quote from Congress to the president. He put that in there. This is what we want your proclamation to say. Can you imagine that, folks? Two houses of government, both the House of Representatives and the Senate, sent a letter to the president of the United States where they said, quote, to recommend, in other words, they said, we'd like you to write a a proclamation to this end, quote, to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer, to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many single favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness, end quote. That was our our Senate and our House of Representatives' desire to the President of the United States was give us a day to thank God for everything that he has given us. That sounds very, very different from what one president recently said, we are not a Christian nation. Well, we may not be now, but we once were. We were once a nation that loved God. We were once a nation that thanked God. We were once a nation of content people. This proclamation goes on to say, Now therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November next, to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be that we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country, previous to their being a nation for the single and manifold mercies and the favorable interpositions of his providence, which we experienced in the course and conclusion of the late war. For the great degree of tranquility, union, and plenty, which we have since enjoyed, for the peaceable and rational manner in which we have been enabled to establish constitutions of government for our safety and happiness, and particularly the national one now lately instituted, for the civil and religious liberty with which we are blessed, and the means we have of acquiring and diffusing useful knowledge and in general for all the great and various favors which he has been pleased to confer upon us. 
Wow, that's just wonderfully written. Absolutely wonderfully written. I love that part where it says, particularly the it says, for the civil and religious liberty with which we are blessed. One of the things that has shifted is America's definition of equality. America once stood on equality of opportunity, which means that we'll make sure everybody starts in the same place. What it has become to mean is equality of outcome, which means we'll make sure everybody ends up in the same place. And that is not the same thing. Folks, we are not equal in ability, equal in thought patterns, equal in desire. Some people desire to work. Some people don't. Some people desire different things. And when you take away a person's ability to advance themselves upon the merits of their own conscience, you take away their liberty. You take away their freedom. And it's hard to be content in a place where you have no freedom and liberty. That's a dangerous place to be. The proclamation goes on and says, And also that we may then unite in most humble offering our prayers and supplications to the great Lord and ruler of nations and beseech him to pardon our national and other transgressions, to enable us all, whether in public or private stations, to perform our several and relative duties properly and punctually, to render our national government a blessing to all the people by consistently being a government of wise just, and constitutional laws, discreetly and faithfully executed and obeyed to protect and guide all sovereigns and nations, especially such as have shown kindness unto us, and to bless them with good government, peace, and concord, to promote the knowledge and practice of true religion and virtue and the increase of science among them and us, and generally to grant unto all mankind such a degree of temporal prosperity as he alone knows to be best. Given under my hand at the city of New York, the third day of October in the year of our Lord, 1789. That is absolutely amazing, folks. There was so many things just said that our nation seems to have forgotten. Personal responsibility, equal opportunity being more important than equal results, not to say the least of which, a, a just, wise, and constitutional law system. Just and wise. I don't know about you, but I don't know that I would specifically define where we are today as the result of just and wise leadership. I don't know. Maybe you would. I don't. So that was the, that was the presidential proclamation given by George Washington, specifically at the request of the House of Representatives and the Senate in October of 1789. Not to be outdone, I don't know that there was a competition between them, but sometime later, during the middle of a civil war, President Abraham Lincoln also wrote a Thanksgiving Day proclamation. And Lincoln's known for many things. One of the things in which he's most particularly known is his ability with words. 
his ability to say things and, uh, and to cut to the heart of the matter very quickly. In fact, one of the ways in which he did this most appropriately is through stories. I've read several books, autobiographies, or excuse me, biographies on Abraham Lincoln, and one of the things that most everyone who was close to him said was that he had a story for everything. You know, it reminds me of another man named Jesus Christ, who seemed to be most effective in dealing with people by telling them parables. By, by telling them parables. It's interesting, folks. What we once knew to be the proper and just actions of a person who's devoted their life to Christ has become nothing more than a faint memory, if even that. Christians used to be uh, people who stood for certain things. Are you someone who stands for the things of the Word of God? Or is it more just a kind of cultural thing? Daddy was a Christian, granddaddy was a Christian, mommy was a Christian, so I guess I am. That's not exactly the way it works. Christianity is a result of the life you choose to live, not the result of the life your daddy chose to live. All right, let's look at this second presidential proclamation. This was written October 3rd, 1863, by the President of the United States. It says, A proclamation. The year that is drawing toward its close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies. To these bounties, which are so consistently enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come, others have been added, which are of so extraordinary a nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften the heart, which is habitually insensible to the ever-watchful providence of Almighty God. Wow! Talk about a wordsmith. He has a way of putting things together that just, that's beautiful. Habitually insensible to the ever-watchful providence of Almighty God. Folks, we are under the ever-watchful providence of Almighty God. Everything that we have in this world is a product of the one who created it, the one who gives the rain, the one who controls the winds, the, ones, the one who, who literally has our breath within the very hollow of his own hand. It would seem foolish to me that we would fail to say thank you to the one in whose hand our very life resides, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The proclamation goes on to say, In the midst of a civil war of unequaled magnitude and severity, which has sometimes seemed to foreign states to invite and provoke their aggressions, peace has been preserved with all nations. Order has been maintained. The laws have been respected and obeyed. And harmony has prevailed everywhere except in the theater of military conflict. Well, that theater has been greatly contracted by the advancing armies and navies of the Union. What I want you to notice here, folks, is what he said about the American public while the nation was being torn apart by an awful civil war. He said the public was honoring and following the laws. And that though we were tearing ourselves apart... We were still united at an effective enough level to hold off those who were drawn to the fray. There's a saying that nature abhors a vacuum, and when a country goes to war with itself, 
rest assured there is a vacuum that is created. And even when this nation was tearing itself apart over ideologies, we were not so separate that we couldn't defend ourselves from the aggression of those outside of our nation. I would, I don't know that I would say that today. I don't know that I'd be able to go so far as to say that we would unite against a foreign enemy. That's sad. That's very sad. The proclamation goes on to say, needful diversions of wealth and of strength from the fields of peaceful industry to the national defense have not arrested the plow, the shuttle, or the ship. The axe has enlarged the borders of our settlements and the mines as well as iron as well of iron and coal as of the precious metals have yielded even more abundantly than heretofore population has steadily increased notwithstanding the waste that has been made in the camp the siege and the battlefield and the country rejoicing in the consciousness of augmented strength and vigor is permitted to expect continuance of years with large increase of freedom. Can you imagine a whole nation all pushing towards one goal, ultimate freedom? Ultimate freedom. There's a statement, and I can't remember exactly who said it. One of the Adams, I believe, said the nation, and I'm going to paraphrase here, I probably will not get it directly correct, so please forgive me. The nation that would trade its liberty for security deserves neither. And I believe that is representative of where we are right now. We are also concerned about safety and security, that we are sacrificing liberty at the altar of those two things. And I I don't believe it will probably be very much longer before we realize how drastic a mistake we have made the proclamation goes on to say, No human counsel has, excuse me, no human counsel hath devised, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, hath nevertheless remembered mercy. And praise the Lord for it. I know where I would be without the mercy of God. That first podcast that we did was simply entitled, But God Loved Me, which is the very definition of the story of my life. Where would I be hadn't it been for the fact that God loved me? I think Lincoln understood that when he said very very clearly, uh, they are the gracious gifts. In In other words, everything that we've received, they are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who while dealing with us in anger for our sins, hath nevertheless Remembered mercy. Remember mercy. Wow. Proclamation goes on to say, It has seemed to me fit and proper that they should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also in those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as the day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. 
And I recommend to them that while offering up the ascriptions justly due to him for such singular deliverances and blessings, that they do also with humble penance for our national perverseness and disobedience, commend to his tender care all those who have become widows, orphans, mourners, or sufferers in this lamentable civil strife in which we are unavoidably engaged, and fervently implore the interp excuse me, fervently implore the interposition of the Almighty Hand to heal the wounds of the nation and to restore it as soon as may be consistent with the divine purpose to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union. I believe that you and I folks could learn a lot from what President Lincoln just said. He said this this is a lamentable strife. We've never been, in my lifetime, I'm sure we have been in times past, but in my lifetime, this nation has never been more evenly split right down the middle. And I'd like to say that there's ways in which we could work together, but in some ways there are things that just can't be compromised with. You say, what are you talking about? I'm saying that there are certain things that must be stood for. They cannot be compromised with. Life does not belong to us. Life is a gift from God, and we are not the discerners of whether or not it is convenient. We are not the discerners of whether or not it is appropriate. It is life. It is a gift from God. It doesn't belong to us. We don't decide whether or not to let it continue. You call it whatever you want, pro-choice, pro-life. It's nonsense. It's a life that doesn't belong to anybody. It's a life that belongs to God. Just because he chose you to carry the life, or he chose you to be the father of a life at an inconvenient time in your life, doesn't justify the fact that you can take that life. These are things that you have to stand against. That's just the reality of the situation. You said, I thought you weren't going to get political. I don't see that as a political issue. I see that as an issue of morality. And unfortunately, many issues in today's society have become issues of morality, as if we could vote immorality into acceptance. It's not what the Bible says. This proclamation ends by saying, In testimony whereof... I have hereunto set my hand and caused the seal of the United States to be affixed. Done at the city of Washington this third day of October in the year of our Lord, 1863, and of the independence of the United States, the 88th. That is the Presidential Day Proclamation from the 16th President of the United States of America, President Abraham Lincoln, who in his great wisdom, I believe given to him from God, was able to sustain our union had it not been for his desire and for what I believe to be the providential hand of God in his desire to sustain a country and to unionize, to to pull together people, I don't believe would be a country today. And so just a couple thoughts from two great men, George Washington and Abraham Lincoln, which I believe very, very appropriately mirror the verses that we started this podcast off with. Both of these men very clearly articulated the ability of God to teach humanity contentment. 
The real question, folks, is do you want to be taught how to be content? Or is the consumption lifestyle just too fun to walk away from? You say, well, I don't know that I'm really that much of a consumer. I thought that. And if you're not, God bless you. More power to you. But when I took a real honest look at my own life and how much is consumed without being replaced, it was convicting. Whether it's entertainment, whether it's financial, whether it's kindness, all humanity, without the hand of God to intervene into our hearts, tends toward a very consumptuous lifestyle. And that's not what this week is about. That's not what Thanksgiving's about. Thanksgiving is about being in a place mentally, spiritually, where we are content. We look around and we see the gifts that God has given us, and we are content. I don't know you. Most of you don't know me. But I would ask you, look around at the people that God has placed into your lives. Do you realize those people are in your life for a reason? That's not a mistake. God did not make a mistake. He put people into your life for a reason. I want you to also look at the flip side of that coin. You are in their life for a reason. You might want to remember that when someone who loves you tries to offer some advice about maybe being a better person. My wife is my best friend. And she often will say things that right off the bat make me go, oh, hmm, I don't know how I feel about that. But she's often right. Open yourself up this weekend over Thanksgiving to people you love. And, and be okay with all the things that aren't okay. Be content with the things that you have instead of being in pursuit of the things that you don't. Look at how valuable the things the Lord's already given you are. By the way, folks, value is a product of sacrifice over time. Nothing that you can get Friday morning at a Black Friday sale as you rush the stores is really that valuable. If you can get it instantly, how valuable is it really? The things that are valuable are the things that take time to get. The worth, I tell my kids this all the time, the worth is in the work, not the reward. So over this holiday season, over this Thanksgiving Day week, I want you to focus on the worth in your life. I'd like you to focus, if I could ask you at all, to focus on the worth of your life, the things that the Lord has given you that have become more valuable over time, not less valuable. The things that the Lord has given you that become uh, more beneficial to you with time, not less beneficial. And then take us a moment to, to tell someone how much they mean to you, how, how much they have changed your life, how, how big of a hole they would leave if they were to be lost. And then remember to say thank you to the Lord. Thank you for his salvation. Thank you for his son. Thank you for all the things in your life that you have forgotten to be thankful for. That's what Thanksgiving Day is all about. 
that and some wonderful time with family, family, friends, which is exactly what I'm doing this Thanksgiving, to be doing a little bit of visitation and and visiting with friends, and I'm looking forward to it very much. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll be done. Father, thank you so much for your son. Thank you for the ability to serve you in his sacrifice. Thank you for allowing us to be Christians. What a humbling title that would be. We ask that you bless us this weekend or this week and be able to spend some time with those we love. In Jesus' name, amen.